0: So well, let's get right into the Word of God this morning. And aren't you thankful that our Father has a word for us today? Man, He's always speaking. So if you've got your Bibles, let's go to John chapter 17 again, please. And we're going to continue on here. In John chapter 17, verse 14 through 17, uh, Jesus, again, is praying for us his disciples, and He just lays out a very powerful prayer. And I mean, you oh, know, Jesus gets His prayers answered. <laughs> I mean, every time, everything He prayed for, He got So this is something that uh, it's good to pay attention to. In verse 14, he says, I have given them, your disciples, this message, your message. And that is why the unbelieving world hates them. For their allegiance is no longer to this world because I am not of this world. I am not asking that you remove them from the world, but I do ask that you guard their hearts from evil. It says, for they no longer belong to this world Any more than I do. Can we say that together? I no longer belong to this world. I don't belong here. I know we've heard that. That was probably the first scripture you heard learned or maybe heard, especially in youth group. I don't belong here. I'm in this world, but I'm not of this world, other translations say. But I don't want to take the words of Jesus lightly on this. They no longer belong here any more than I do. Then in verse 17, so he says, Your word is truth, so make them holy or separate them By your truth. So what is the cause for you and I to be separated from the world? It's the Word of God. What separates us from the world? The Word of God. And not just you and I reading it once in a while, but you and I adopting and adapting our lives to the Word of God. So it no longer just becomes a nice Christian thing we do on Sundays, but it becomes my lifestyle. It becomes my way of thinking. It becomes my way of acting. It becomes my way of speaking. And because of that way of living, you will be separate from the world. The world, again, operates, I mean, there's a whole lot of different things you could say, but in this case, what we're talking about, the world operates by reason. It operates by sense knowledge, meaning this, if I see it, it must be so. If I feel it, I guess it's true. If this is what happened, you know, down generationally through my parents and through my great-grandparents and all that, I guess I'm stuck. This is the way it's just going to be. The world is limited by their reasoning. The Word of God, on the other hand, does not need reasoning. You don't need to reason this book. It needs belief. You don't need to try to make sense of it. It's not, sometimes it will go tilt on your brain. going, It doesn't make sense. It's not supposed to make sense to your brain because the reality of it, you know it on the inside and eventually what happens on the inside will affect the way that you think. So the word of God, is, it's amazing what we're, we're going to get into this. I'm jumping ahead of myself. But again, we don't belong here. And the amazing thing on this meaning, I did belong here, but now I've been taken out. And I want to just read you. I don't have this on the screen. So downstairs, you don't have to panic. This is just me going off-grid here. Colossians chapter 1. I want to just read this verse to you here for a moment. Because remember, Jesus paid a tremendous price to get you and I out of this world. Come on, y'all. Like This is what we just celebrated. God, you're so good. That's what I was saying about while we were singing that song over and over. God, you're so good. And what did he do? He paid a tremendous price to get us out of this world system. We ain't stuck anymore. Man, what we've seen in the past, what we see just right here, this ain't it for us. There's a whole nother realm that we know to be true. There's a whole nother realm that's more real than this one. And we thank God for that. And Jesus got us out. So it says this, Colossians, your hearts can soar with joyful gratitude when you think, everybody say think, Think. when you think of how God made you worthy to receive the glorious inheritance freely given to us by living in the light. He has rescued us completely from the tyrannical rule of darkness and has translated us into the kingdom realm of his beloved son. For in the son, all of our sins are canceled and we have the release of redemption through his very blood. Ah, oh, ain't that good news this morning? Man, oh man, I'm so thankful. And so what a privilege, what an honor. What a calling that you and I actually operate in this earth as children of the Most High God. Who was Jesus when he walked this earth? How did he operate as? Did he operate as God? No, how did he come? He operated as a, as a man, anointed by the Spirit of God, but he operated as a child of God. Jesus is an example of us. When you see Jesus, you see the reality of how the Father intended for your and my life to look like while on this earth. That should be the what, what? That's amazing. That's good news that Jesus is now the standard of way of living. Now, as we said before, the difference between the world and, and the way that the kingdom operates again, the world operates by reason, whereas the kingdom of God, it operates by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. We don't live by what we see, we live by what he says. And again, I love the way that Jesus prefaces. He says, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds. Not proceeded, but is proceeding out of the mouth of God. What is he speaking? God is speaking today. In 2021, and God is still speaking, and we live by what he says. Man, that's powerful. So we ain't stuck. Again, let's go to Matthew chapter 16 here for a moment. and i just take a couple minutes just to relay this to us, because again, what we're focusing on is revelation knowledge. This is how the kingdom operates. You and I are called to operate from a different level of thinking, a different level of understanding, and we have insight into things that the world cannot see because they haven't welcomed the Spirit of God. But the moment you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, now who came on the inside of you? The Spirit of Truth Himself, the one who knows all the secrets, who knows all the mysteries, who knows all the insights, actually dwells on the inside of me. And guess what His job is? Is to reveal all the plans, all the secrets, all the hidden things. To me from the inside, so it affects my brain, so I live out this way. And people will go, how are you doing that? I got the great insider information on the inside of me. And what's his job is to reveal the good news, to reveal Jesus to us. You know this, the Bible even says, I think it's Colossians chapter 2 and verse 3. It says, in him, in Jesus, lie hidden all the treasures of understanding and counsel and wisdom. All of the wisdom. All of the wisdom that you and I need, guess where it is? It's in him. Come on, y'all say with me, in him. in him. That's where it all is. If I Wisdom for parenting, wisdom for being a husband, wisdom for you name it. Listen, does God know how to do, be a plumber? Would God know how to teach? Would God know how to be an electrician? Would God know how to, you name it, of course. And it says all the counsel, all the wisdom that you and I will ever need, it's found in him. It's not to say that you can't go to school and that's, that's all great. But don't forget, your source comes from him. He's the source of all wisdom and understanding. Man, the psalmist even talks about that. God, because I feared you, because I went after you, you made me smarter than all my teachers. (laughs) Boom. That's Psalm 119. And there's a lot of verses in there. So read the whole book and you'll find it. (laughs) Okay. So now, Revelation knowledge. Look at this again. Matthew 16, verse 13. Again, Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi. This is just an amazing portion of Scripture. His disciples asked, he asked his disciples, who do people say that I, the Son of Man, am? And of course, they responded some say that you're John the Baptist, some say Elijah, others say Jeremiah or one of the prophets. So you can see right here, Jesus is very emotionally secure. Right? Like he's not. What do people think of me? And they just slid it off and went, like, Man, that's you didn't get offended by any of that. And then he went around by saying, Who do you say that I am? And at that moment, man, Peter, Peter got something. Peter received revelation knowledge from heaven. God clearly revealed to Peter who Jesus was because at that time I mean all, just imagine all the murmuring all the talking about Jesus Oh, man, he's John the Baptist, he might be Jeremiah I bet you he's Elijah the one he came back from heaven, maybe he's one of those old prophets that rose from the dead, that's who he is that's who he is, that's who he is so they're hearing all this and now all of a sudden Peter gets on the inside, nothing from the external he gets you are the Christ the son of the living God and then Jesus turned right back around Whoa! That's what I'm talking about, Peter. And he says, Peter, you are blessed. Why? Because flesh and blood, nothing external gave this to you. It wasn't brought to you. It wasn't taught to you. You didn't hear that around a back alley somewhere where people were talking about me. You didn't hear it in the synagogue somewhere where some of the Pharisees were talking. You heard it directly from the Father. The Father revealed it to him on the inside. How many ever got inside information from God before? When you get that inside, Peter's eyes went ding. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And you're blessed. And he says why? Because it hasn't been taught to you from the outside. It's been revealed to you. And he says, upon this rock now of revelation knowledge Jesus said, I'm going to build the Ecclesia Ecclesia The called out ones. The ones that were in the world. The ones that accepted me as their Lord and Savior. I've taken them out. They recognize me as the Christ, the Messiah, the living God, the son of the living God. What happens? I've been taken out. And from that place, that's the bedrock for every revelation that's going to come after. Because it's all rooted and grounded in Jesus is the Christ. From that place, knowing Jesus is Lord... You understand Jesus is healer. Jesus is provider. Jesus is joy. Jesus is peace. Jesus is, you name it, it's all in there. But it all comes from this foundational revelation knowledge that Jesus is Lord. Can we say that together? Jesus is Lord. That foundation right there sets you on a good place to hear from the Spirit of God everything else that Jesus came to be. Because the number one call in Jesus' life is, he's Lord. Once you get that... There's so many of the things that flow from there. So you are in a really good place right now. If you've accepted Jesus as Lord, guess what? You are on your way to finding out all the other things about who Jesus is. Because it starts right here. The entry level to getting into this kingdom is Jesus is Lord. Oh. <laughs> Excuse me, do kind of excitement? Okay, now, revelation knowledge. Let's look into this a little bit. And I want to show you from the scriptures, especially in the book of Proverbs, you find revelation knowledge, not necessarily identified or clearly stated revelation knowledge, but talked about as wisdom. And it's all through the scripture. And I want to just go out, give you some of these verses that you can pen down and you know, meditate for yourself. But these are such powerful truths of why revelation you need, what it does for you, the, the importance of it in our lives. Well, we'll start here in Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 7. All of these I'm using the Passion Bible simply because they use the word revelation knowledge. But there are hundreds more. So it says this, wisdom is the most valuable commodity. Buy it. Then he says, other translators say, wisdom is the, uh, wisdom is the, or getting wisdom is the best thing you can do. Then he says, revelation knowledge is what you need. So invest in that. I'm not really too keen on that. That's not really the proper translation of that. I just use the word revelation knowledge. You can't buy revelation knowledge. You could probably buy information off people, but you cannot buy revelation knowledge. It's not purchased. It's revealed to you and I because of hungry individuals that want it. So you can't pay the biggest offering that you could ever give. And I just want revelation knowledge. It does not come that way, just so we're clear. Okay. So he says, what do we do? I go after it. Other translations, especially the Amplified, will say, Revelation knowledge, you want it? Go get it. Proverbs 11, verse 9. It says, the teaching of hypocrites can destroy you, but revelation knowledge will rescue the righteous. Come on, say it with me. They will rescue the righteous. What's going to rescue you and I? Revelation knowledge. It's, I know too much from the Word. And I'm not talking about being heady. I know on the inside. Another word for saying rescue is that it's the Hebrew word for deliverance. Deliverance belongs to the righteous ones who have revelation knowledge. You know, God never designed you and I just to go from crisis to crisis only for God to bail you and I out again. The New Testament teaches us, Romans 5.17, that we are called to reign as kings in this life through one man, Jesus Christ. How do we reign in this life so that no matter what comes my way, my stance is still the same? That I'm still happy, I'm still joyful, I'll keep pushing forward. How do we do that? Revelation knowledge. How do I reign in life? Come on, y'all, what's the answer? Revelation Revelation knowledge. knowledge. It's not just, oh God, please save me. And then God doing some miraculous thing to deliver you. And then the next problem, oh God, I need help again. He's not looking just from miracle to miracle. You're not called to miracle to miracle, you're called to reign. Reigning is a different mindset in the sense of miracle to miracle. Miracle means that there's lack constantly. And thank God he's the God of miracles, absolutely. But reigning is a different mindset. Reigning is, I live above always. I'm victorious always. And how do I do that? Through revelation knowledge. So that's why we go after it. Because again, this is the call that we've been invited into, is revelation knowledge. Proverbs 14, 6 says it like this. The intellectually arrogant seek for wisdom, but they never seem to discover what they claim they're looking for. Four, revelation knowledge, look at this, flows to the one who hungers for understanding. The uh, Amplified Bible says it like this. The intellectually arrogant, they seek for wisdom, but they never find it because their attitude blinds and deafens them to it. It's an attitude. And then again, for revelation knowledge flows to the one who hungers for it. Those who possess a teachable spirit. Come on, say it with me. Teachable. Spirit. So is you teachable? That's Lord, that's what I want. I want to keep a teachable spirit all my days. Why? So revelation knowledge can flow. Because once my teachable spirit is gone, guess what? Revelation knowledge stops right there. God, how come I get anything? Because you know it all. And what's the problem with know-it-alls? They know it all. Or they think they do. Look at this verse, Proverbs 15:33. This is what we're going to go into in the next coming weeks. Proverbs fifteen thirty three, It says, The source of revelation knowledge is found as you fall down in surrender before the Lord. What's the source to all this? Surrender. Surrender to Him. And it says, Don't expect to see. Everybody see. See, see the Shekinah glory, which is the glory of God, until the Lord sees... Your sincere humility. So what's first? If we want to see anything, it's my sincere humility. So a lot of this is talking about the condition of our heart. Until the Lord sees it, then we can see it. Because again, the Lord's not going to just, you know, cast his pearls before swine. He doesn't do that. Okay, we'll continue on here. Proverbs 19, verse 2. It says this, that the best way to live is with... Revelation knowledge. Anytime that there's a pause, you can just say revelation knowledge. That would be the answer if you're looking for the answer to the test. The best way to live is with revelation knowledge. For without it, notice, without revelation knowledge, you'll grow impatient and you'll run right into sin. I think translations say you become hasty and you just run into something. I'm going to just, just go do it out of, again, from the natural sense, emotion. Or the natural sense, this is just, you know, information that I'm gathering from my senses, from different people telling me. If I run into a situation, apart from, don't just think revelation knowledge is some deep, deep knowledge. It's revelation knowledge comes from the lips of God. Rather than just running into something real quick, I'm going to go, Lord, what do you say about this? And when he speaks, now I go, this is the best way to live. Who's, who's talking right now in this? Yeah, well, yeah, we know God is, but who is he using? Solomon. Who is Solomon known as? The wisest men that ever lived. Wisest ruler, wisest leader that ever lived. So this is good advice, right? I don't think you would talk to a lot of kings and priests or kings, you know, government authorities and they would stop and think about that. This is the wisest guy. Now look at this, Proverbs 24, verse 5. It says this, Wisdom can make anyone into a mighty warrior. Wisdom. So I don't got to do a thousand push-ups before I'm a mighty warrior? No. You just got to be, have wisdom. And then it says, Revelation knowledge, look what it does, increases strength. Go back, guys. Proverbs 24, 5. Wisdom increases strength. Remember this verse. You can tie this one in with Daniel chapter eleven thirty two. 32, that the people that know their God, what will happen? They will be strong. And what? And do exploits for him. So what am I looking at all this? Revelation knowledge increases strength. That means when I hear from God, what does it do? Bolts bulks me up on the inside. I've heard from God. I can set my face straight. This is where I'm going. I'm going to fulfill it. I'm going to do it. Why? Because I have a word from the living God. That's what revelation knowledge is all about. When you get it, when you hear it, by the stripes of Jesus, I'm healed, and you don't just hear it, but you've heard it on the inside, it's revealed to you. No matter what comes your way, I will be healed. Yeah, yeah but look at you, man. You're, you're missing, you know, you've got nothing. There's, you're puking every single moment. No, 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 no. The Bible says, this is what God told me, by his stripes I'm healed. It's revealed to me, therefore, I own it. Yeah. This doesn't matter. This will change, right? The natural will constantly change. But I fix my eyes on what is not seen, which is his word. Right. What, how long do I keep looking until it's seen? That's right. That's right. <clears throat> All right. Proverbs twenty four thirteen last one it says this revelation knowledge is a delicacy if we could see it that way it's a it's a it's a treat it's a delicacy it's precious so sweet like flowing honey that melts in your mouth can you just picture that for a moment you know take that Winnie the Pooh jar and just and we that's the only time smucking is allowed is you just just flowing out of you it's just all over and it says eat. As much of it as you can, my friend. Why? Because it's the best way to live. Why revelation knowledge? Because it increases your strength. Why revelation knowledge? Because this will deliver me and set me free from anything that may come my way. It's understanding who God is and what he's speaking to me right now. It's revelation knowledge. And this is the transfer that takes place. Just going from the natural, whatever comes my way. Well, this is what happens. I go so I'm stuck. No, 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 no. When I hear from God, it makes me unstuck. Oh, I can be free. Amen. And so again, this is what Paul prayed for the church because this is the greatest need in the church. Can we just take a minute to pray together? So let's pray this. Ephesians chapter 1. Verse 17, Father, we ask you, you are the God of our Lord Jesus Christ. You are the Father of glory. Father, we are asking you that you would grant unto us here at Impact Life Church a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you. Father, that the eyes of our understanding would be enlightened or flooded with light. That we would know the hope. To which you have called us, how rich is your glorious inheritance in us, and what is the exceeding greatness of your power in and for us because we believe in you. And this is the same power that you used to raise up Jesus from the dead and carry him out of hell and put him high above all principality and power and might and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the age that is yet to come. Father, you gave Jesus to be the head over all things to the church which is his body uh, who fills in all and all. That's our prayer. And this is what we do on a regular basis. This is what I'm doing for myself daily. More than that crotch rocket I'm wanting. More than that you know sweet new bike I'm interested in. God, what do I want? I want a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you. I want to know you. It's a progressive thing. Philippians 3.10, that I may know him. That I may progressively know him. It's not all of a sudden one big bang and I know everything about God. No, we see in part. I don't know the full revelation of who God is, but I'm hungry for it and I want more and more. And what happens to those that are hungry for it? Revelation knowledge continues to flow. Continues to flow and continues to flow. So now, again, what have we been talking about these last two, three weeks? Aligning ourselves to receiving revelation knowledge. And the first two points that we talk about, they really deal with understanding who God is and how he operates. It's so crucial that we Christians have an idea of how our Father operates. We gotta know that. And we talked about knowing that God speaks, knowing how He speaks, knowing where He speaks, and to whom He speaks. Don't just take for granted, oh yeah, God just talks to everybody. That ain't the case. God wants to talk, but a lot of times He doesn't have access to talk. He can't talk. Or if He's gonna talk, people are looking in the wrong place for the Word. And this brings us to the next point. We have to know this that we are a spirit being, we possess a soul. It has emotions. It has a will. And we live in this body. God does not speak to us emotionally. doesn't talk here. That's where the devil can operate. That's where the battleground on is. Am I going to go with the word? I'm going to go with what I feel. Am I going to go with the word? I'm going to go with what somebody else said. Am I going to go with the word? I'm going to go with everybody else speaking out here. That's where the battle lies. But God is not speaking to our brains. The word of God will affect our brains. But it's a spiritual book. This is a spiritual book. Jesus said this, John 6, 63. Again, don't, I don't have it on the screen. Jesus said, it is the spirit that gives life. The flesh profits nothing. Then he says this, the words that I speak to you, they are spirit, therefore they're life. The word of God is talked about in James chapter 1. talks about and says that, that it's a mirror. So what is this? What do you do in a mirror? You look into a mirror to make sure you're, you're all you know, put together. This is what people, I mean, you've never seen, actually, you've never actually seen yourself. Your eyes have never popped out of your head and looked back at you and went, whoa, that's what it is? It sees a reflection, so we depend tremendously on the mirror for a physical description and picture of how we look. What if the mirror was lying to you? You think you're all that, and all of a sudden, the mirror's mirror's mirror something. They have some of those mirrors. You go in the malls and you put that on. I'm thinking, "Man Joel, you look, man, you look so good. Jamie should be all over you with this type of mirror." And then all of a sudden she's not. I'm going, what? The mirror told me otherwise. I, like, I look like I'm real trim. I look put together. Not so. It's a lying mirror. But thank God, <laughs> the word of God gives you a pure reflection of what part of you, your spirit. It gives you a pure reflection of who you are, what you have, what you can do, spiritually speaking. So the Word of God, don't try to take this Word of God and dumb it down to some soul book or some flesh book, because it's not. It came right from the lips of God, and God is spirit. So when you see in the Word of God that you are blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places, sure do not look like it. He's not talking to your body. He's talking to your spirit, and it will affect your soul. It'll affect your body, but first, you've got to see it. That's what it is. Let me tell you what the Mirror Bible says for John 6, 63. It says, I communicate, this is Jesus speaking, I communicate from a different dimension and perspective. Jesus communicates. When he speaks to you and I, it's from a different perspective and from a totally different dimension. So when he says, by the stripes, my stripes, you are healed. Now, if you're stuck in the natural, but I don't look at it, I don't feel it. He's not talking to you based on what is seen, felt, or known, naturally speaking. Where does he talk to you from? Over in the spirit dimension where he's saying, you are healed and whole. How can he say that? Because spiritually he took it all away. So what does I have to do? Now I take the time, and we've gone over this. The meditation part is where the transfer takes place from this natural seen, felt realm, going into the spirit realm, where I start, rather than operating here, this is how I feel, spending time thinking and meditating on the word of God. Slowly I'm cutting the strings to this natural world, and I now engrave myself and connect myself to what Jesus has said in his word, and it now becomes a reality in my life. That's how it all takes place. The difference between here, hit, here, here is meditating on the word of God. That's how the transfer takes place. And it's the same for everyone. It's not a quick fix. It's I'm taking time. I'm seeing myself. I'm talking to myself all throughout the day. I'm holding well by the stripes of Jesus. And what are you doing? I'm cutting my ties. I'm cutting that umbilical cord because I'm connecting it back up to God. All right. That was weird, but let's continue. Now... <laughs> Now, the bottom two points, so the top two points, again, deal with understanding how God is, how he operates. The bottom two points now deal with the atmosphere of our hearts and the atmosphere of the congregation itself. (laughs) What is going on on the inside? The atmosphere that I carry. The Bible talks about you and I carrying a fragrance everywhere we go. 2 Corinthians chapter 2 talks about the fragrance that we give off. To the world, we stink. It's a smell of death to them. They go, and they can't stand you. But in the church, and to those that are being saved, what is it? We are a beautiful fragrance, a beautiful aroma of life, of everlasting life. That's the fragrance we give off. That's why the world hates you. See, when you live by this book, they're going to hate you. Why? Because you're giving off a scent. What's the scent? Truth. What's the scent? Light. What's the scent? Love. This is the scent that we give off. And they don't like it. So what do we do? We continue. And the problem is, is I don't want to get rid of that scent and take on their scent to try to reach them. No, no, no. You keep your scent on. You need more and more scent on you. Load the cologne on. And give off my scent. But then at the same time, not only is it for other people, but it's also towards the Lord. What kind of fragrance do I give off personally towards the Lord? When he goes and smells me, what am I giving him? Is there a a reverential fear? Is there this awe or this genuine respect for him where he can go, oh, revelation, let it flow, let it flow, let it flow. Or when he smells, does he go, oh, pride. Oh, oh dear Lord, unbelief, dear, my, not that he hates you or repulsed, but there's something spiritually that he absolutely stinks. And what are those? some of those things that we just listed off? Oh, they know it all. Oh, you can't talk to them. And it just stops. You can even see that he actually resists the proud. Oh, pride. My son, my daughter, I can't, I can't get to you. So I have to put up a resistance. It's not going to come your way. What are we giving off? And these are the two developing an attitude. I live in the reverential fear of the Lord. Simply putting this, that everywhere that I go, I am conscious that the Spirit of God is not only with me, but He's in me. He hears everything that I say. Therefore, I don't want to hurt His heart. Ephesians 4 talks about grieving the Spirit of God. I don't want to grieve Him with what I say. I don't want to grieve Him with how I act. I don't want to grieve Him with how I think. Therefore, becoming conscious of this will change the way that you live. It'll stop you. Before you're about to say something, just go, ooh. Before I say that to my wife, is, is that going to hurt our relationship? Okay, I'm going to just back off that for a sec. My kids, what, where did you... Uh, hold on. Okay, Lord, is this going to affect our... Yep. Yeah, okay, that's not the way I'm going to go about this. So I just take a minute. What do I do in this situation? And let him lead. Let him guide. That is simply surrendering myself and revelation can flow again. Now, that was number three, giving an attitude. I live in the reverential fear of the Lord and I'm giving God access and that's even our heart for the congregation. So myself personally, but also as a church, what kind of smell do we give off? When we come gathered together like we are, and I'm, I love our gathering. I mean, when we come gathered together, what does the Lord? I mean, the, the question that we don't ask is, how was worship today? And I'm talking about the whole service. How was the service today? And to answer it was like, nah, it's okay. To say anything like that means that the object, the only one that could answer the question, is the object of the worship. So if I'm asking, how was the service? How was worship? How was it all today? That nah, was all right. What are you basing that on? When in fact, we should be asking, how was the service today? Were you pleased? Was, how, how did you enjoy our worship? And let him answer, because as long as we say, yeah, it was all right, that makes us the object of our worship. And idolatry becomes very subtle, very sneaky, because we make it all about us instead of, it's for you. Everything I do is for you. The song that we sing is for you. And the moment we go, oh, no, I didn't really like it today, it was a little loud, it was a little quiet. I don't really, you know, the, they kind of hit that pitch. Ah, didn't really hit that. <laughs> what happens? You've just actually killed the whole purpose of what the service was for and made it about us rather than about Him. Now, here we are. I have this urgency in my heart and in my spirit. I know this to be the Lord, and it's just these two words, get ready. Get ready, get ready, get ready. Can you say it with me? Get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready. Get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready. Anytime that God was about to move on his people, move before his people, or move in front of his people, there was always something that people had to do, and it was to get ready. All through the Old Testament, you see God wanting to come to be with the Israelites, his people. And what do you see the Lord saying? Get ready. I'm going to come in three days. Get ready. So what they have to do? I mean, they did a lot of natural things, as much as they could, being sinful people in order to, you know, kind of take care of the sin issue, all the different problems. Thank God Jesus did all of that. But, you know, even in the beginning, John chapter 1, you can read that too, that Jesus coming as the lamb that was slain before the, the world's foundation... He came to a people, his own people, and they didn't recognize him. They didn't even perceive him. What was it? They weren't even ready for him. They're looking for other things. They're looking and expecting some king to come down and wipe off, Rome off the map. They're looking for some kind of the powerful God to come down, and they missed that he came as a humble baby. But now they missed that. But for the church now, we have to get ready for a second coming because he's not coming as a baby. He's coming as the king of kings and the Lord of lords. So for you and I, listen, this is like an urgency for the church. We've got to get ready. The world's nuts. They're going to stay nuts. And unless they want to hear the message of the gospel, they'll continue to be nuts. It's insane what's out there. But for the church, I don't want to partake in that. Why? Because I'm not of it. I don't belong here. What's my job? To cut the ties off of that world and reveal who Jesus is to this lost and dying world. That's my job. I'm an ambassador of him. That's my role. So what do I want to do? I want to get myself ready because when he comes back, he's taking his bride with him. Am I ready? This is a verse, again, I don't have this on screen, but 2 Corinthians 5.11 in the Message Bible has become my personal verse. It's mine. You can have it, but it speaks to me. This jumped on me. This is probably 2013. This verse jumped off on me. It was March, and it was at 2 o'clock in the morning, and I was just reading my Bible, and this verse just leapt off on me and says, this is what you're called to do. This is what this church exists for, impact is for. It says this. I'm kind of cutting into a little bit of the verse here. It says, it's no light thing to know that we'll all one day stand in place of judgment. That's why we work urgently with everyone we meet to get them ready to face God. Get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready. For the lost, it's, man, you need to know Jesus as the Christ, the Messiah. But for the church folk is, I need to know who I am in him and what he's called me to do. Those are the two questions for a believer. Who are you, Lord, and what do you want me to do? That's what we're here for. We need to have a clear understanding of who he is because when I see who he is, again, this is Colossians 3, it reveals who I actually am. You don't need to look for yourself out there. We need a revelation of who Jesus is because when I see him, I see a picture of who he made me to be. Ah, oh, it's good news. Now, the Lord said to us in September as a church family. I don't know if you remember that. I mean, this year seems kind of very different to me. I don't know if we're in 2020, 2021, or 20. I have no idea. It's kind of messed up. COVID screwed over a lot of things. But this is what the Lord told us in the fall of last year. He says, This we are to expect, we are to prepare our hearts. And we are to create an environment for encounters with him. Anybody remember that? He spoke that to us. This is the word that God gave us as a church that we are to expect, we are to prepare, and we are to create an environment for what? For encounter. Encounter. Why encounter? What is God interested in? God's heart from the beginning and still to this day is for his people. Look at this. In Hebrews chapter 13 for a moment. God's position towards you and I has never changed. His arms are wide open. Jesus is God's mind made up for humanity. This is what he wants to do. When, the, when Jesus came to this earth, what did the angels, what did they sing out? Well, they said, hallelujah, or, you know, hallelujah, king of glory, and all the wonderful Christmas things that we use. And then he says, peace on earth and goodwill. Come on, say it with me. Goodwill. goodwill. Towards who? towards men goodwill towards who us goodwill towards us so what's the father's position it's goodwill it's goodness his goodness never stops therefore god is always on well, how come you're praying for healing today god is always on It's us that go off and on. He's always turned on, always ready to heal, always ready to deliver, always ready to give revelation knowledge, always flowing, always giving, always his power is being expressed and being given. To who? To those who want it. To those that will stop and have that reverential fear say, Father, I love you. I need you in my life. I want this. Father, teach me. These are the things that the Father goes, hey, there's a humble heart. I can work with that. Gives, gives, gives. That's why, how come, it's so easy. I mean, just think about it. Even for the lost to get saved, you wouldn't think, oh, we gotta wait a week to see if they really want it. Well, we're gonna wait a little while just to really make sure. Man, the Father is turned on now. Salvation is now, the Bible tells us. It says, today is the day of salvation. Why can we say that? Because God is always on. Arms are this. Now, there's a time where this will be no more. And that's when the church is raptured and we're out of here. That's when that dispensation, that age is done. But in this age that we are living in still to this day, because God is merciful, is we are in the grace age. God is still gracious. God is still kind. God is still not counting up the sin of the world because it was laid upon Jesus. What is he doing? Inviting people into his kingdom through you and I, his ambassadors on this earth. It's still the season that we're in. But that season is coming to a close soon. So what is our job? We have to preach. We have to proclaim. we got to cut the ties here so we can be an effective ambassador, so we can it well here. It's a real word, right, ambassador, that's, I'm I'm taking that one. <laughs> now, look at this in Hebrews chapter 13, again, talking about God's stance on you and I. It says this, For hasn't the he promised you, I'm reading from the Passion, verse 5, God has, hasn't He promised you, I will never leave you alone? Never. Come on, can you read that together? I will never leave you alone. Never. Just so you really hear it. I'll never leave you alone. Never. Then He says, and I will not. Can you say it with me? I will not. The Amplified Bible says it three times. I will not. I will not. I will not. And in this case, loosen my grip on your life. Oh, isn't that good news? Aren't you thankful in the crappy world that we're living in? He has not loosened his grip on your and my life. And he will not do it. So what's our response? Listen, every time that God says something, it demands a response on our part. That's what the whole problem with this world is. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Love is given one way before him. But how does anybody receive and go into heaven? You have to respond to the love that has been demonstrated through Jesus on the cross. That's what love, it demands a response. So you and I, when we hear these words, I will not loosen my grip on your life. Look at verse verse 6 says, we can say with great confidence. This is the Bible all over. God says, I respond. God says, you're healed. My response is, thank you. I believe I receive that. He says, you're forgiven. I believe I receive that. Thank you. Thank you. My will is to protect you and your family. Thank you. I believe that. I receive that. That's the response. Don't have to reason this whole thing out. This is not a reasoning book. It's a book to believe, period. No questions asked. Not go, how is this going to work? Not you're in my job to figure out the how. My job is to believe. Period. Look at the response. So we say with great confidence, I know the Lord is what? It's for me. And I will never be afraid of what people may do to me. Why? Because the Lord's not loosening his grip. He'll never let go. Oh, that's good news. Let me read it to you from the mirror Bible for a sec. The mirror Bible says it like this. Don't give money a prominent place in your thoughts. Realize that what you already have is priceless. He has said that he will never quit on you or abandon you. That is reason enough for total and continual contentment. Verse 6, it says, what he said concerning us gives our confession the edge. We boldly echo the scripture, Psalm 118. The Lord is for me. I cannot be afraid of anything that anyone could possibly do to harm me. Is that your echo? Is that your response to what's going on in the world? This is it. The world says something. I don't want to counter and say, yeah, that is so stupid. It's stupid, period. They say these things. My response is going to be this. The Lord said he will not loosen his grip on my life. Therefore, I echo what this scripture say. I know. I have no fear. What can mere people do to me? That's my response. Whatever they do, my response is, I will not fear, for I know what the Lord has in store, and I know that He's got me. That's the good news. So, when you're saying get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready, where do I get ready? I get ready on the inside. Aren't you thankful I don't have to bring in 100 goats out here, and we're gonna slit all their throats, and I'm gonna just throw some blood on all y'all? Here, catch. Aren't you thankful we don't have to do that? I'm very grateful. So what do we do on the inside? We get ready. We get ready, we get ready, we get ready. And it's on the inside. And I want to just give you these simple verses that you know. Because where is God looking towards? He's looking to the heart. Everything is about the heart. The why do I do what I do? It's the heart. The motivation. Why am I in this for this? Now look, look at this. 1 Samuel chapter 16 and verse 7. This is right after Samuel was about to anoint the next king of Israel. And I want you to see these verses. These are so simple Yet they're so profound. You and I, we don't need the next new thing. We need the now word. What is God doing now? At this moment, I believe for us as a church, we are going through a little bit of a consecration period. We're going through a little bit of, there's some things that are changing on the inside of us, and therefore some things have to change on the outside. But you and I, we will do whatever it takes for the presence of God to be experienced, for the presence of God to flow in. So I'm kind of calling all of us in this. Anytime that we gather, we cannot and we do not want to hinder the experience in the presence of God from anybody. Therefore, we have to do our part. Because if I'm just here to check off a list, church will be boring, guaranteed. Church will just be another service. It'll just be another thing. But what we are looking for is an open heart towards the Lord saying, Lord, whatever you want to do, we're in. That's my heart. That's our team's heart. We're going from this perspective. God, whatever you want to say, whatever you want to do, go for it. Why? Because we do everything we can to get people ready. And who knows best to get people ready? It's the Lord himself. Aren't you so thankful for grace? How do I get ready? I, I'm gonna just pray longer? Sounds good. But ultimately, the Lord, he started the work in us, and he's going to fulfill it and accomplish it until the day that he comes back to get us. So it's you and I. It's yielding together. I don't want to just take our time for granted. I don't want to just waste your time, waste our time, and just, you know do Sundays. What does God want to do? Let's do it. So if we're going to pray together, we're going to pray together. If we're going to sing for the whole service, we sing for the whole service. If we just stand here in the presence of God, so be it. If God wants to light the building on fire with his power, with his glory, do it. Whatever you want to do. So what are we doing? Get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready. We want it. Anybody else want this? Man, i want this. You know what else? Red deer wants it. They need it. You don't, need, you don't need 15,000 people. All you need is 100 people that are just God, I want this. Not even 100, you could have four. God, I want this. The Wales revival. What happened in Wales? Who was it? One man just spent, locked himself in the church building and said, God, I'm not moving until I see your presence and power move through Wales. And what happened? It blew up. Oh, I want it. I want it. It's him. I want him. I don't want revival for the sake of revival. Then listen, we are revived. The world, the, the church doesn't need revival. That's the thing we got to get. Oh, we just need to touch. No, you don't. He's in you. What we need is to open our hearts. God, what do you want to do? And I'm going to yield to you. What do we need? We need a yielding. I need a revival. No, you don't. The world needs a revival. They're dead. We need an awakening and a yielding of ourselves going, God, what do you want to do? What do you want to say? I'll do it. If it's uncomfortable, I'll do it. You want me to sing? I don't really sing. I'll do it. Whatever you want me to do, I'll do it. 1 Samuel sixteen seven. This is what God said to Samuel as he was picking out one of Jesse's sons. All seven of them stood up there. Samuel looked at the first one and went, man, that's it. That guy's rock solid. He's got that beat drum of a chest. This guy's ripped. He's jacked. Look at the locks in his hair. The beard is just perfect. I think he looks like Mr. O'Farrell. Right here. That's this. That's what it is. Benadab. Man, that's, that's gotta be it. But then what happened? The Lord said to him, hey, don't look at the appearance. Don't look at how good looking he is. Don't look at how muscular he is. He says, I have refused him. This is love speaking. I've refused him. Why? For the Lord does not see as man sees. The Lord looks at this, or the man looks at the outward appearance. But the God, He says, I look at the heart. Why was this guy refused to be king when, in fact, he should have been king? He had all the natural requirements. If you looked at his resume, you'd go, "Man, this is this guy's it." Boom, 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 boom. Yeah, it works out five times a day. Man, that's that's what I'm talking about. We, sixteen chickens for breakfast. That, that guy's it. Look at the protein this guy's eating. Man, this is this guy's solid. Give it to him. And on top of that, he's good looking. I don't want an ugly king. This is the real deal. <laughs> Some beat up shepherd boy, one tea, three thing. Hey, man, I'm in. No, I want, the, I want the real deal. This is the picture boy of Israel. <laughs> but what happened? What did God say? Look at these words that he used. I refused him. That's a big word. That's a big word. And that's God speaking. I refused him. Next, look at this. 2 Chronicles 16, verse 9. I mean, in fact, why did he chose David? Because he was a man. Come on, y'all, what was he after? After God's heart. What does that mean to be after God's heart? He wanted to see what's in their God. Not just kind of thing like he's just, you know, he's real musical. He likes to sing psalms and he just writes a bunch of stuff. He's kind of like a, not a man's man. Like that's sometimes the image you get of him. But in fact, David was more manly man than I've ever could even read in the Bible. You kill a bear? Are you kidding me? That's a real deal. And <laughs> didn't even have bear spray. He just <laughs> ripped him shreds, right? And then on top of that, you see that with David. Why was he after? He, he was called a man. You see that two times in scriptures, he was a man after God's heart. Meaning what this? I can just see David. Like if I could make, bring this down just to a natural sense, he's running after God and he's looking, trying to, God, what's inside there? What's, what's inside there? okay, yeah, I see that. I, that's who you are. Yeah, I see that. He was so hungry to get a glimpse and to see who God was. And this started a whole thing. And because of that heart, what did God say about David? I'm going to, my throne will be established forever through David. And what was David involved in doing? He couldn't build the temple because he shed too much blood. But what was the heart of David? God, I can't build it, but I'll pay for it. And out of his own personal money, you find out, together and all this? For 10 years, this is Second Chronicles chapter 7. You just read that account. 10 years they built and they gave towards the temple being built. How much money? It says it's over into the hundred billions in today's currency to build the temple of God. It was a nice place. But it's easy to start something. But don't you think after 10 years, 9 years, people are going to go? It's getting kind of lame. No, they continued to do it to the very end. And it says, 2 Corinthians chapter 7 was dedication day. And they dedicated the temple unto the Lord. When Saul or Solomon finished uh, praying and, you know, dedicating the temple, God manifested himself. Why? Because there was such respect. There was such honor for God. And this is what the worship team sang. For the Lord is good, and his mercy endures forever. Do you know what God's favorite song is? It's that one. Lord, you are good, and your mercy endures forever. You can find that in the scriptures, that God really likes that song. Really likes it. Maybe old to us, but he really likes it. And if that's what he likes, that's what I'm going to sing. He's good, and his mercy endures forever. And it says, God sent fire from heaven. Consume the offering that was there. Talk about an encounter the presence of God, to the place where the priests and the singers couldn't even stand in the temple because the glory of the Lord filled the temple. What does glory mean? It actually means weighty. What is, the, what is heaven? What makes heaven heaven? It's his presence. It's being with him. And his presence, there's weight to it. And if he just to come, even just to our natural bodies, that's why people fall under the power. That's why people go back. Because when God shows up and reveals or manifests himself in such a way, something's got to give. The weight of his presence just comes to the point where these guys couldn't even stand anymore. And there they all laid prostrated on the ground when they couldn't even move. I'm so fine with that here. I hope you are too. God were to show up all of a sudden, people are just falling out. Leave them. Let them lay. Let him lay there. What if it's six hours? Let him lay all day long. We'll lock the building up afterwards. As long as it takes. What do we want? We want him. Want him. So the heart of my, so this again, we're going back to this. I'm making sure my personal heart is in line. I'm making sure my personal heart is in check, that it's pure before the Lord. That if there's anything in it that needs weeding out, God, go for it. Go for it. Purify it. Make it a place, a home that you can dwell in. Remember, we talked last week about construction. We're under construction right now. And then, so I'm doing that personally, but also as a congregation. It's so crucial that we come to this place not just to go, okay, church is done. Thank you, let's move on. We come into this place, Lord, I'm expecting. I'm preparing myself. Therefore, I'm coming into this place. I don't have an agenda I'm not waiting for some good feel me song. You're worthy of my worship. You're worthy of my attention. God, here I am. I give it to you. Just watch what God can do in an atmosphere like that. And we'll see it. I want it. Otherwise, what on earth are we doing? Think about it. What are we doing? He's the only one that can fix problems. Thank God for all the freedom session. Thank God for all the extra things that are out there. Connect All those things are wonderful. But at the end of the day, what can restore a marriage? What can restore a family? What can heal a body? What can deliver a captive mind? What can deliver all of that? It's, it's Him. And He can do more. In his presence, in one minute, then we can spend all year long working our butts off, trying to work and counsel and sit and talk. In the presence of Jesus, there is wholeness. There is peace. There is joy forevermore. It's in his presence. So that's what we're after as a church. I'm just declaring that to you today. This is what we're after. And whatever it takes to do it, we'll do it. Anything that needs to stop, we just stop. And why? Because it's for him. We don't do church for people. We do it for him. Does that make sense? Yeah. Of course, we want to bless. Of course, we want to reach. Of course, we want to do all of those things, and we'll do that. But the premise on all of this, the foundation, in all of this is you, you, you like this? Yeah. Yeah. That's it. Do you like it? Yeah. yeah? Okay. And I know he likes everything by faith. I, I, I get that. But I want to make sure our hearts are right in what we're doing. I'll finish off with these two verses 2 Corinthians 16 9. It says, The eyes of the Lord, man, like today, the eyes of the Lord search the whole earth. In order to strengthen those whose hearts, whose what? Whose hearts are what? They're fully committed. I'm just, I'm committed. My allegiance is not to this world. My allegiance is not just to the ties of this world. My allegiance is to you. So, what do you want? <laughs> Excuse me, sorry. <clears throat> and lastly, James chapter 4, verse 8. It says, "Move your heart closer and closer to God, and He will—not a question. He will. He will move closer to you. So, how do I move my heart closer to Him? I'm checking up on my fragrance. Lord, why do I? What do I smell like to You? Am I one? Am I? Am I, am I, am I of a scent that You can go? Ooh, I like that smell. Thank You. That's a good scent. You, You respect and honor." The price that I paid for you. Thank you. You honor me. I honor you. That's the heart. That's what I want. That's what I want to smell like. On top of my Dolce and Gabbana. The one (laughs) smell. That's a good smell. (laughs) And this is right. There was one more verse. Proverbs 4 chapter 23. Again, familiar passage. But get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready. How, where, why? My heart. And what does it say? Above all. Guard. So when we guard, guard, it means standing at attention. Guard the affections of my heart, for they affect all that I am. Other translation will just say, "Guard your heart, for out of it flows the issues of life." Life doesn't happen to you and I. Life doesn't just come at us. It's a phrase that the world uses a lot. Well, this just happened. I can't help. Yeah, there's things that we cannot control. Absolutely. But the condition of my heart, where my heart's at, determines my response and therefore the direction that I'm going to go. This is something I'm teaching my kids right now off this bat is it's so important to understand. If you're, it's all about choice. If you're choosing to disobey, you're choosing to go down, this is my words, Spank Avenue. And <laughs> they don't like that. But I said, Spank Avenue is this way you feel free to take it but you know the result of what's going to happen and again discipline's not something I do at, at towards you it's something I do for you if you choose to go down Spank Avenue I want to let you know because at some point it's going to lead to death so I need to spank you so that you understand we got to go back this way on the other hand now on this side you can make a choice over here and you're going to go down Joy Avenue and going down Joy Avenue is a lot funner but here's the thing you choose it's the same way with God hey This is going to lead this way. You're going to continue to go down that road. And in his love and in his mercy, listen, if you want this so bad, you can go after it. You can go after it. You can go after it. And he'll let you. But at some point, because of his love, judgment hits so that he can get you back on track. He'll send correction. He'll send people across your path. Hey, I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't go that way. That's why he says, listen to it. Listen to it. Revelation knowledge. Listen to it. Why? So he can steer you back in the right direction. It's the exact same way. So life, again, doesn't happen at us. Life flows from within us. So what I'm after, I'm not after my kids' behavior. I want to make sure that their hearts, that they understand that the choices that I make will determine a direction that I go. Okay, therefore, I need to choose the right way. It's the same way with us. Same way. Same way. He says, for they affect all that you are. He says, pay attention to the welfare of your innermost being, for from there flows the wellspring of life. Why am I supposed to guard my heart? Because from my heart flows life. So can you just see that from from right here, the very core of my being, life is coming from. Life is flowing. My joy doesn't come from out here. It flows from within. So that's why we guard it to protect what's coming in, also to protect the hunger that you have for God now. We don't just protect what's going in, absolutely, but I'm also doing it so that I protect what I have on the inside right now. I love my sensitive heart towards the Lord. I I treasure that. And I know you do too. You want want a sensitive heart. You see that so many in the scriptures that a sensitive heart is pleasing in the eyes of God. A tenderness of heart. Why? So that God is able to direct, to move around, to maneuver, to correct, to, oh no, go over here. Okay, I can do that, Lord. A tenderness. And I want to guard that. Therefore, that's why I take care of watching things or partaking in things on the outside. Because this is important to me. Amen? So Father, we just love you. Thank you for your presence. God, you are so good to us. Father, I love love, just what we sang today. Father, for you, God, you are so good. And you're so good to us. You're so good to this church. Father, I just acknowledge that, that you are good to this church. Your mercy is extended towards this church, family. That you are constantly doing good things on our behalf because you've clothed us with your favor. You've surrounded us like a shield. Who is more blessed than us? Father, we thank you. We give you all the glory. We give you all the praise. And, sir, we do ask that as we go on this week, Father, that you would continue to reveal yourself to us in a stronger and a greater way. Our hearts are open to you, Jesus. They are open. And, Holy Spirit, you live inside of us. We acknowledge you. We recognize you. And we want to say thank you. Out of every place that you could have been, that the Spirit of God, you actually live inside of us. Thank you. We want you to be right at home that you can say whatever you want to say. You can do what you want to do, and we will respond in a way that's pleasing to you. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. Thank you.